Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Initiative. Um, the, uh, the organization's called Healing the Wounds. And Healing the Wounds was chartered once again to help and mentor children who lost parents in service to both country and community. And it's a, it's a year-round, um, basically, mentoring organization. It starts off with uh, an opportunity for these t- kids to get, get out of their environments. We take them out of their current environments, and uh, we bring them up to Alaska. And the reason that we chose Alaska is I spent 38 summers, consecutive summers on the ground up there, basically clearing my head up of other things, but guiding families, taking them out on fishing and, and wilderness excursions, photographic safaris, etc. I stayed in contact with the kids, James, you know, from these families and the parents, of course. And uh, the feedback is, was the best experience of their lives. It changed them. It really changed them. Because here we're taking kids, in particular through healing the wounds, out of an urban environment and bringing them somewhere where they've never been before and providing them with the opportunities to, um, to build self-confidence and leadership skills. Because uh, our role is to provide a platform through which they can learn, but also provide direction and provide increased levels of exper- um, responsibilities that they could rise up to. Now. I think it's important, I'd like to mention, in the fall of 2019, and by the way, the U.S. Army reached out to us early on. They were pretty enthusiastic about the mission. And uh, it was disturbing because the Army alone, just that one branch of service, has 20,000 kids under its wings. 20,000 children that lost parents in service to country. They also offered to network us with their counterparts in the Navy and other branches of the service. But I reached out to them in 2019. The idea was we wanted to host a pilot week. And, during some, and, and they referred a half dozen children that were representative of this large group that they have. And we hosted this pilot week in New England. But I did my best to simulate the activities that they would experience had they been on the ground up in Alaska for that program. The Alaska program's unique because we have an opportunity through the connections I have to introduce them to at least a dozen different uh, potential career opportunities. That program uh, will will be under the direction, supervised and supervision of three professors from University of Alaska Fairbanks. These are people with backgrounds, PhDs, marine sciences, oceanography, things of that nature. Uh, also, Captain Michael Hawk came aboard early on. Michael Hawk retired uh, U.S. Army Green Beret. He's pretty well known for some shows he had on the Discovery and History channels. Um, he's a survival expert. He had a show called Man, Woman, 
Wilde. That was uh, on the discovery. Right. The man travels the world, and, and the biggest thing in his life is helping children. And Michael not only uh, supports the mission, but he agreed to come on board and, time permitting, be up in Alaska on the ground providing one-on-one -on -one instruction to these children. So it's totally developmental. We intend to support them year-round with a 24-7, 365-day-a-year call-in center, webinars, tutorials, all kinds of educational programs. But James, we also want to have an internship program through which they could secure marketable job-related skills. So putting the whole thing together, I sat back because years ago I realized that something was wrong out there. A lot of children really don't have people to look up to. A lot of them don't have fathers in their homes. They're coming out of broken families, etc. The military kids have suffered the most. And I learned that from the pilot week. And I just want to touch on a couple of things. Um, we only had them for a week. And it was a rigorous week for them. It was educational. I had them on the water. We worked with uh, one of the programs at the University of Connecticut, and they actually helped with uh, research, oceanography type research. They were uh, pulling nets, they were catching samples of different things in the water, weighing them, measuring them, recording everything for uh, to advance that type of science. Um, I had them before they left. And this was after a long day, because James, I had them in the air. They were, <laughs> these kids were 30, 40, maybe 50 feet up in an aerial obstacle course, zip lining around. Um, I think one of the things that I took back from it was these kids all arrived as strangers, but they left as loving siblings. I didn't have one disciplinary issue and they encouraged each other along the way. It was incredible to watch this. I didn't have to intervene. I just sat back and watched. And we provided them with these opportunities. There was one boy in the program. He's heavy set. He's out of shape. He just is. He was very clumsy. Um, very is I don't know. There's an echo or something there, but. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. Okay. Keep keep telling me these stories. These are these are tremendous, my friend. Tell us well, tell us all about gonna, it. This is going to blow you away because you know there was a time when I taught college freshman economics at a university. I was a grad assistant, but I spent two, you know two years doing that, and and so I had a background in teaching. But what I witnessed was kids helping each other. I didn't have to intervene. We just provided the opportunities. So back to this one boy. He was failing at the time in school. His father died in Afghanistan when he was 17 months of age. His grandmother, his paternal grandmother, adopted him. He calls her mom. Um, she's taken care of him. She begged me to let him into the program. And he really is a good kid and everybody loved him. He was a teddy bear. But like I said, he wasn't in great physical shape and he didn't have a lot of self-confidence. Well, he was up in those trees and, you know, and he, he, he was scared. And these kids were just like, Kalan, we know you could do it. You could do this. Put one step in front of the other. It wasn't like 
you're going to fall, you know, something that we would have probably ex experienced in school. It was nothing like that. And the long and the short of it was he went home after a week. And when I had them, by the way, I put them through a course and I had them certified by the American Heart Association in life-saving skills. That is that tremendous. Like, it was unbelievable. It was one of the most um, compelling things because in the wake of the Parkland massacre, I was honored with an opportunity to serve on a national task force. And, and we, it, it was a portable think tank. We brainstormed for two days straight and advanced 17 recommendations to the administration. My recommendation that I care to talk about was to make certain that kids, all children across America, are certified in life-saving skills. Yes, yes, I think Catch they need to be. Catch them in school because I don't think anybody that's trained to save a life will that be that quick to take one. Yeah. Because that's not that we change the mindset. So I carried that forward to the pilot week. And basically, like I said, they were all certified. This was after spending four or five hours in the trees in 90 degree weather. Wow. They, I mean, they were, you would think, exhausted, and they were. But at 7 o'clock at night or 7.30, we started this, uh, this course. Not one of them yawned. A couple blinks, maybe. <laughs> but these two instructors really had their full attention. And the thing that they got most out of the week was they, two things, actually. But they couldn't wait to go home and receive that card in the mail saying they were now certified by the American Heart Association. That's awesome. The second thing is every one of them approached me after that week and said, Mr. Epstein, please, we would like to continue on with the program. We could be mentors for, for future kids coming in. They all had that uh, attitude. And, and that That's really great. blew me away. So what I'd like to share with you is I hired a professional crew to capture the highlights of that pilot week on film. They edited it down. Wow. We produced a 12 and a half minute movie. I did not release it until now. It's on our website. And one of the reasons I wanted to come on today was to let everybody in your audience know that we're hosting a contest uh, during the month of March. It's a silent auction. Uh, what people are going to bid on is over the top. It, it's a custom $100,000 boat, outboard, and, and trailer package. Just an incredible vessel. Wow. But I want people, if they want to bid, we want them to become members of Healing the Wounds. That's our organization. Yeah. And we want them to buy into what we're trying to accomplish. And that's the bottom line is to help kids that really need our help. And you know, James... What surprised me is my one of my conversations with the military just prior to the, the pilot week. 70 to 75% of the children today that have suffered losses like, like this, loss of a parent. Um, in those cases, most of the military losses are um, have resulted from PTSD induced suicides. And we originally formed Healing the Wounds to reach out and help children from Gold Star families. But I made the decision to expand it 
also law, the children of law enforcement that are killed in you know, line of duty. But we, we decided to expand this. We're still going to prioritize Gold Star. However, any child that suffers a loss as a result of their parents' military service, we want to help them as well. We really want to help them. And, and a lot of them need it the most because here you've got a, a child that their whole world's been crushed. But you've got one parent that's left to deal with everything. And on top of that, deal with their own personal grief. They, they have to um, take care of a child in a one-parent household. And these kids are suffering. You know, I told you a little bit about that boy that was out of shape, et cetera. And, and what blew me away was two or three days after the pilot week, he lives in a blighted area. It's a hellhole. I, I'm being polite. He's never had a friend over after school. He, uh, he can't go outside and play because he lives under threat of being shot when he's outside the home. His adopted mother, his grandmother told me a week before the pilot week that um, she pulled into her street, somebody opened fire on the car. Their, their car was, was full of uh, family members. The rounds hit the driver's side front rear fenders, but fortunately didn't strike anybody in the car. That's how they live. He was never out of that area. So back to wow. where I was. She calls me up two, three weeks after he went home and she said, what did you do to Kalan? And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, I said, what do you mean? She said, he came home, he started making his bed and cleaning his room without being asked. That was just like really different for him. Yeah. She never experienced that with him. But I think it had to do with, we took him out of the environment. I rented a half dozen hotel rooms. I put two kids in each room and they got to see a different type of lifestyle. I had him in restaurants every day. And like I said, we were active between three states, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts. About two, three weeks after that conversation, she told me that he had joined a gym. Wow. And into shape. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, that that's incredible, right? Well, about, I think it was, pilot week was uh, last week, August. So as we approached late October, I was on the phone with her again. I'm in constant contact, keeping an eye on a couple of, of these boys. And she, she I, I asked her how he was doing in the gym and she told me he dropped out. And I felt, you know, my heart was crushed. And she said, no, no, Jeff, he's now on his high school basketball team. And as of last week, he's now boxing for his school. So it was a total change in him. But the biggest change I told you, when he came to us, he was failing all his courses. He is now a straight A student. This boy's a straight A student and he's on his, his school's honor roll. In fact, yesterday, she, she texted me a photograph of the document showing his A's. It, the kid changed 100% and he's really succeed, he's succeeding in life now and that's what we wanted to see and he wants in. We're hoping to have the permanent program in place and operational this coming summer that's COVID permitting. I had another boy from the state of Rhode Island. The Army referred him. The grandmother begged me to let him into the program. 
But there were some issues. Um, he was a sad boy. She said that they had five years, six years worth of family portraits to evidence the fact that he hasn't cracked a smile in that length of time. But James, between the ages of six months and 12, 12 years of age, he was subject to seven or eight brain surgeries, uh, blood clotting disorder. So she said, please let him in. He's a good boy. He needs you. So I let him in. I, I took him two grandmothers and the other boy on the water for a day. I taught him everything I could as quickly as I could about safe boating skills and coastal navigation because we had a GPS going and, and a little on seamanship. And I let them run the vessel. We did a 20 mile run down the Connecticut shore to Watch Hill, Rhode Island. I went inside what's known as Napa Tree Point, dropped the anchor, and they spent the whole day swimming, running the beach together. They had the time of their lives. I brought them back to a restaurant that afternoon. I had about eight, nine people there for lunch, and I prepared the wait staff to uh, sing happy birthday to him. He was just turning 16. We're seated at the table, and all of a sudden, they came out, they started singing. He started shaking like a leaf. It was so bad that the whole table was moving. I thought he was having a seizure. I was scared to death. It wasn't. His grandmother told me that nobody ever treated him with that level of kindness, and he just emotionally broke down. Well, now he's doing pretty well. Um, with the exception, he had a health, we had a health scare with him um, three weeks ago. He had six simultaneous uh, brain bleeds. His grandmother called me. Um, they didn't know if he was gonna pull through. They took him out of a hospital in Newport, moved him up to Boston Children's. They saved his life. And uh, that was a hard week for us, but you know, with medications, they think they could keep it under control. I want to get him up to Alaska with the other kids if we can. He needs it. He really needs it. And, and the same with some others. I had one boy that attempted suicide in 2018 because of the environment that he lives in and, and a lot of harassing, uh, bullying in school and things of that nature. He just couldn't handle it. And, and you know, we impacted his life. He had another girl. Gosh, I, you know, it's unbelievable what these kids go through. She was eight, nine years old. Yes. She's shy. She's introverted. Um, can't separate her for, from her mother. You know, that type of anxiety, but there's a reason. The, the parental loss was fresh. About a month or two after her father is killed. The mother goes in for neurosurgery mm. and loses a sight in both eyes. So her mother is blind. This little girl with some issues is spending her entire life leading her mother around by the hand. Does everything for her. Helps her cook, clean, dress, everything. I, I, it, so 
They came to me and said, would you please let her in? But there was a caveat. Her mother and grandmother have to come with her because it's a six, seven hour round trip to get to you. Um, and I did, I accept, I, I said, sure, why not? I didn't know how we were gonna deal with having her mother on a vessel, but we figured we, we'd find a way to make it work. But this girl who's so shy and, and hasn't had any interaction with anybody in the past said, I want to be there and I want to be with other kids that lost their, their daddies. And, and that's what I'm reaching out to. Those are the kids we're trying to help. But we decided last year that any educational programs that we host and that we um, have posted on the internet, any educational self-improvement programs that we make available to the military kids and the children that have lost parents in service to community, law enforcement, first responders, we'll make available to every child in America that's interested in helping themselves. Because I don't think it'd take much to convince you that our country's in trouble and there's certain messages that can get out to these kids and they need somebody to look toward. They really do. Uh, there's no political agenda behind it. It's all about helping these kids develop a better understanding about what life's about and how they can better themselves. Programs such as managing personal finances or yep. hygiene, all those things that aren't readily available. And if they are, some of the stuff may be provided in school, but it's not provided for everybody. And if somebody has learning disabilities or yes. emotional issues, they're not tuned into it. Now back to Kalan. He's 14 now, maybe he's turned 15. He's got a brother that's not salvageable. His brother's incarcerated in the Midwest. I believe it's a federal um, institution. His background was pretty good. Um, you know, he was involved in gang banging, drug dealing and everything else. He's not salvageable. <clears throat> but Kalan has told me, I don't want to be anything like him. I want to be successful. I want to do something. I want to accomplish something. I want to have a good life. And I, I don't want to let him down. I don't want to let any of these kids down. I don't want them to let the military down. I think that it's a responsibility of the highest order. Their parents served our country with dignity and a lot of them were killed in action or a result of their service. We owe it to them. We have to do this. And uh, to date, my wife and I have funded the entire mission. Wow. Exception of a couple donations from some generous people, but 90% of it. And I intend to make certain that this happens. I want to, my, my long-term objective is to secure the property get the program going up in Alaska. And uh, I want to turn it over in five or six years to the next group of people to run it. Just make sure that it's self-sustaining and then it's it's stable. And we're going to start with 100, roughly 170, 180 children a year under the supervision of parental uh, chaperones and professionals, professors, etc. 
and we're going to expand it in year three to accommodate double that number, just short of 400. And I've got, um, but we've got to get it going now. And that's why we're reaching out to everybody across the, the country to help us. And we're hosting that, um, we're hosting that auction next month. And I got to tell you something, if anybody's a boater, this is, this is the package. Because we're looking at a 23 foot, a uh, little better than 23 foot welded aluminum um, center console vessel that's manufactured in the Pacific Northwest with a 250 horsepower uh, four stroke engine on an easy loader trailer. Uh, it's a Pacific, the vessel's made by a corporation called Pacific. But I could tell you that wherever you go with one of those things, with the exception of Alaska, because they're more common up there, it gathers a crowd either on the water at the boat launch or at a marina because everybody's like, let me look at that. That's something else. And the other thing is, <laughs> no, I, I know this because I have a 2006 model, so it's the same vessel, but I either get followed in to the dock or people come running up to me and, and making offers to purchase it. So, you know, this, this is one heck of a package. And, and James, for the non-voting crowd, um, we can offer them an opportunity to bid on the wholesale cash value of the vessel. So if they don't want to vote and they want to bid on a basically uh, a buyout, because we'll have a buyer purchase the vessel um, within a couple of weeks, they can do that as well. But we need people to step up to the plate. And I'm releasing that 12 minute movie in support of the auction. So if they visit our website, it's healingthewounds.org. So that's H-E-A-L-I-N-G-T-H-E-W-O-U-N-D-S.org, not .com. And uh, just click on the vessel on the front page of the site. We have a three-step process. This, this is what we're asking for. Go through all the pages of the website so that you, you develop an understanding of what we're about and what our mission is about, what we're trying to accomplish. The second step is watch that 12 and a half minute movie and watch it on a large screen. And the third step is if you wanna support us, just become a member of Healing the Wounds and uh, place your bid. You've got 30 days, it starts March 1st. One of the other things I want to mention, I don't think this is news to you. You know, many of these children have suffered so much, who have suffered so much, uh, where they're being brutalized by the COVID-19 lockdowns, just like every other kid in America. Nothing is normal anymore. They're isolated. They're being deprived of socialization. Their normal education is gone. And some of them are being brutalized at home in unsavory environments, um, abusive home environments. I had one that I had to deal with and uh, there was a stepfather in the house with that brought his own children in. And it's, it's like a Cinderella story. You can't imagine how badly this boy is being treated. And the army knows it. They told me about it, but there's nothing anybody can really do. And uh, it's just not fair. And I, I, I really fear for the other ones because I've heard the stories 
And how many kids live in abusive homes in this country? And their salvation, their sanctuary was going to school. And now they can't go to school. Every, it's not just being deprived of graduations and proms and senior banquets and being with your friends. Uh, runs a gamut. It really does. You know, last year, the senior classes in the schools across America, most of them went out on March break and they never returned. They couldn't even say goodbye to their friends that they were graduating with. There's just something wrong with this. And these kids don't have any recourse. They don't have anybody to reach out to. We're gonna have a 24 seven, 365 day a year uh, call-in line that's gonna be manned by professionals. And we'll do our best based on, on what's happening and the nature of the complaint or what, whatever the issues are in their lives, we're gonna do our best to help them out because these kids represent our, the future of our country. We can't survive as a nation if we don't honor our veterans and we don't take care of their children. Yes, I completely agree with everything there, my friend. Well, uh, well, Jeffrey, uh, before we wrap up here, I definitely want to have you back because there is a uh, co-host of mine, Dan Perkins, who I uh, definitely want to get you connected with. Um, before we let you go, how do we get a hold of you online, get your stuff, everything? Once again, I'd encourage everybody, please visit healingthewounds.org. That's H-E-A-L-I-N-G-T-H-E-W-O-U-N-D-S.org. You know, there's no telephone number on the site, but there's an email address. And one way to reach me is staff at healingthewounds.org. I will talk to anybody 24 hours a day. So if you want to, if, if you send me an email and you want to talk to me about the project and how you could help, I will get back to you. We'll set up a time that's convenient, that's mutually convenient, and uh, we will have a conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I would definitely I thank you enough for the opportunity to come on with you. Well, today. we're going to do this again because uh, we, we definitely need to get uh, Dan Perkins involved in this. Uh, he has a... Uh, he he would have a huge interest in this so i will uh i will definitely be in touch my friend uh send me an email and uh we'll get you on uh tuesday when i know dan is available and uh thanks for doing this my friend well thank you for providing me with an opportunity and i i just i'm happy i had a chance to to meet you james and i'll look forward to speaking with dan definitely definitely thank you for everything you do definitely i appreciate it have yourself a wonderful day and we'll talk soon you too thank you jeffrey there he goes jeffrey epstein epstein and uh he joins us today here in our big program we're going to take a brief time out when we come back we have got more on the other side Thanks for listening to the World Famous Jiggy Jaguar Radio Broadcast. If you're listening to us on the stream, thank you. If you're listening to us over on the platforms, thank you as well. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.